The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. Coming up this hour... Ukraine's president heads to Washington in his first trip outside the country since Russia's invasion. A House committee votes to release former President Trump's tax returns. Sam Bankman-Fried readies for extradition to the U.S. And Elon Musk seeks a replacement as Twitter's CEO. The NYPD says two people are dead in an apparent subway accident. Plus, New York Mayor Adams says spread the love, not the violence during the holidays. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Stunning baseball news. Carlos Correa changed his mind. He's stunning with the Mets. The Knicks won. The Rangers and Devils lost. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning, and we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 25 points, up seven tenths of a percent. Dow futures up about eight tenths of a percent, or 258 points. And Nasdaq futures up six tenths of a percent, or 72 points. Ten-year Treasury little change, yield 3.68 percent, and the yield on the two-year 4.22 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up one percent this morning. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thank you. We'll get back to the markets in a moment. But we begin this morning with a couple of major stories in politics. First, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is leaving Ukraine for the first time since Russia's invasion. He will address Congress in person in the nation's capital. Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick says it is a big moment in the debate over aid to the war-torn country. It's a big deal. There have been some questions about really where House Republicans come down and the firmness of their support for Ukraine. To have a joint address to Congress, an in-person address especially, would be a very significant moment at a pivotal time because these kinds of agreements are going to be a bit more difficult when it's a Republican House and a Democratic Senate. So any sort of show of unity with them there would be a very significant thing. Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick reports President Biden will announce $2 billion in additional assistance to Ukraine, plus a delivery of Patriot missile batteries to Ukraine. Meantime, Nathan, Donald Trump's tax returns are back in focus. A House committee has voted to officially release the former president's tax information to the public. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has the details from our 99.1 studios in Washington. The House Ways and Means Committee signed off on a motion to release Trump's tax returns to the House of Representatives. Chairman Richard Neal says personal information will be redacted. This was not about being punitive. It was not about being malicious. And there were no leaks from the committee. The analysis found Trump was able to use questionable deductions and aggressive tax strategies to minimize his tax bills and that the IRS did not audit Trump for two years while he was in office, despite a program that makes the auditing of sitting presidents mandatory. Republicans say releasing the information sets a dangerous precedent. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Now let's turn to Elon Musk and the latest in his saga as head of Twitter, Musk now says he will step down as CEO once a replacement is found. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports it comes as the Federal Trade Commission deepens its investigation into Twitter's use of user data. 
The Federal Trade Commission has interviewed two former senior executives of Twitter already regarding privacy and data security. Now, practices is the issue and whether it's complying with a 2011 consent order since Elon Musk has taken over. The FTC has shown it is not afraid to levy hefty fines. It did fine Facebook a record $5 billion over the Cambridge Analytica data scandal. This can't be welcome news for Musk, who has fired many of his oversight team and attorneys. Musk, by the way, says he will oversee the software and servers teams. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Ed, thank you. As the turmoil at Twitter continues, Tesla shares are declining, and ARK Investment CEO Kathy Wood is scooping them up. Exchange-traded funds backed by ARK bought slightly more than 445,000 shares of the company since early October. This is the first quarter in seven that ARK has been a net buyer of Tesla. Right now, shares are higher in early trading. They're up about two and a quarter percent. All right, let's turn from Twitter now to crypto, Karen, and the latest on Sam Bankman-Fried. The FTX co-founder could be making his way stateside from the Bahamas as soon as today. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. SBF is halfway through the process of returning to the U.S., having signed his surrender documents, according to the island's acting commissioner of corrections. Today, Bankman-Fried will sign a waiver of extradition before FBI agents are expected to take him away on a private flight. Bankman-Fried initially vowed to fight extradition to the U.S. to face fraud, money laundering, and other charges related to the collapse of his firm. His change of heart tied in part to the possibility of getting released on bail here. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. Well, taking a look at markets now, European stocks are advancing alongside U.S. stock index futures. Yesterday saw the S&P 500 close higher for the first time in four sessions. Equities have been on a recent skid due to concerns over central bank tightening. Yeah, speaking of central banks, Karen, this week's move from the Bank of Japan continues to reverberate across markets. The yen is steady this morning after yesterday's strong move, which saw the currency strengthen the most since 1998. Taking a look at the end right now, it's trading at 131.69 against the dollar. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Mohamed Alarian says the BOJ's move provides some stability but also carries risk. This is the step towards normalization. The good news for them is I think they can control the process. That's actually good news for global markets because it doesn't force selling by Japanese institutions. However, over time, even this approach becomes unsustainable. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Mohamed Alarian expects a slow exit from what he calls the BOJ's unsustainable policy regime. Well, let's turn to China now, Nathan. It has continued pivot away from COVID zero policy. Chinese workers with mild COVID are now being told to go back to work in some cities. This is Chinese officials seek to limit the economic impact of an explosion in cases. Beijing's shift from COVID zero has been accompanied by a wave of infections in major urban centers across the country. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up 23 points. That's up about six-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up 239 or seven-tenths of a percent. And NASDAQ futures up about six-tenths of a percent. Your latest local headlines straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 28 degrees chilly this morning in Central Park. Going to be sunny and cool today with highs near 40. But wait, wait for some heavy rain to end the week. Now, here's Michael Barr with a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. NYPD officials are investigating an apparent deadly accident that took place in the subway in Manhattan. Two people were run over by several L trains yesterday. The victims were a 44-year-old man and a 63-year-old woman. It left several horrified commuters in their wake. This woman saw the bodies at the 6th Avenue stop at the time. I told some guy that was waiting for the train across from me, I'm like, there's two dead bodies on there. He was like, you're kidding. And I said, no, look, you're stepping in blood. Officials are still investigating how the bodies ended up on the track, but they say they don't believe the victims were connected and their deaths don't appear to be a crime. A last-minute plea from New York City Mayor Eric Adams as holiday travelers continue to arrive, even as flu, RSV, and COVID-19 cases continue to rise nationwide. Mayor Adams encouraged New Yorkers to remain vigilant of the risks of these respiratory infections now into winter. How do we enjoy the holidays and spread love without spreading the virus? And we could have that combination Mayor Adams encourages New Yorkers to be sure they test before gatherings and consider masking up. A winter storm is hitting the nation at the height of the holiday travel. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest. 
Michael, some of the coldest weather we've seen in 40 years now starting to work its way into the northern Plain states. Temperatures from northern Montana into North Dakota are well below zero this morning. That air is going to be headed southward. It's going to move down towards the Gulf of Mexico, affect Texas and much of the central United States by the end of the week, and it'll also affect the western Gulf Coast. Out ahead of this cold air over the next 36 hours, we'll see a big storm develop. It'll go up through the central Great Lakes. That's going to produce a very significant snowstorm across parts of the central United States with blizzard conditions possible around the Chicago, Milwaukee areas, also across western Michigan. It's going to cause quite a bit of rain and wind out ahead of the the storm. We'll see that affect portions of the mid-Atlantic states and the northeast as we head through Friday. So travel will be very difficult in the northeast and midwest on Friday. Michael? Egads. Thanks, Rob. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stash. Good morning, Nathan. The amazing Mets, just when you thought their free agent spending spree was over, came the stunning news earlier this morning that the Mets are now adding Carlos Correa. He had agreed last week to a 13-year deal with the Giants. Press conference was supposed to take place yesterday. It got postponed. Reportedly, difference of opinion about the results of Correa's physical. The Mets swooped in, got Correa for 12 years, $315 million. He's always been a shortstop. The plan is to move him to third base. Mets have now guaranteed $800 million just in free agent spending. They're going to have to pay a tax of $380 million. Justin Verlander's getting $43 million. He was at City Field to talk about coming to New York. Lived in New York for an offseason. Um... I love the vibe here. I love the city. I love the people. And uh, to have the opportunity to, to come pitch in the city um, is something that uh, I think I've, I've always uh, wanted the chance to do. The Aaron Judge press conference is today in the Bronx. It'll be interesting to see if the Yankees announce that Judge will become the team captain. At the Garden, blowout win for the Knicks over injury. Riddle Golden State 132-94. to The Knicks have won eight in a row. The Hills Toronto tonight. The Warriors play tonight in Brooklyn. The Rangers were going for an eighth straight win, and Chris Kreider scored 22 seconds in, but Pittsburgh won 3-2. to two. The Devils, who earlier this season had a 13-game winning streak, have now lost their last six, beaten by Carolina 4-1. to one. Seton Hall lost the Big East game at Xavier 73-70. to 70. UConn beat Georgetown. The Huskies are 13-0. The Jets host Jacksonville tomorrow night, and Zach Wilson will again be the Jets' starting quarterback. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thank you. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off. In the Audi model you've always wanted, visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Just ahead, we'll get the latest on President Zelensky's trip to the nation's capital First, we look at markets and see futures moving higher with S&P futures up 23 points. Dow futures up 241. NASDAQ futures are higher by 64 points. And the 10-year Treasury is a little changed right now. Yield on the benchmark 10-year note, 3.68%. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Let's get back to our top story this morning. What could be a dramatic few hours in the nation's capital as President Zelensky goes to Washington. Bloomberg's Bruce Einhorn joins us now with more on this. Bruce, good morning. What a statement this is that the first trip that President Zelensky is going to make outside his country since the war began is to the United States. It says a lot about the level of support this country has given to Ukraine in its war against Russia. Yes, and it also shows the um, the importance that President Zelensky places on making sure that that support continues going forward. Um, the big issue that Ukraine faces in Washington is the upcoming takeover of the House of Representatives by Republicans. Um, some Republicans have expressed skepticism about the level of support that the U.S. has given to Ukraine. Um, people like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene have criticized uh, the U.S. Administ- the Biden administration for its support for Ukraine. Um, uh, quite a lot of Republicans, including the Senate, Major- Senate leader Mitch McConnell, uh, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, um, uh, have expressed strong support for Ukraine. Uh, 
that said, there is, you know, there's reason for, for President Zelensky and others to be concerned um, that um, they need to shore up their support in Washington. And so this uh, speech in front of uh, a joint session of Congress does give the Ukrainian president an opportunity to, uh, to address some of those, some of those issues. And we are expecting as well that uh, President Biden, during a joint news conference at the White House with the uh, president of Ukraine, is going to announce that he has indeed decided uh, to deliver a Patriot uh, anti-air missile systems to Ukraine as well. Tell us more about the significance of Patriots. This is something that President Zelensky has been really asking strongly for from the United States for some time. Yes, uh, uh, with good reason, because, of course, Ukraine is being hit uh, almost on a daily basis by uh, drones, um, missiles coming from Russia, attacking uh, civilian targets, attacking the energy grid, uh, other infrastructure. So having the Patriot Air Defense System uh, would provide Ukraine with a valuable tool to, uh, to fight that. Um, the, uh, the Patriots would be part of uh, a new assistance package that would be worth nearly $2 billion that President Biden is uh, going to be announcing today. Uh, this also comes at a time when Congress is poised to approve $45 billion in new aid for Ukraine. This is part of the big omnibus spending bill that Congress is likely to pass within the next few days. So um, uh, many uh, many uh, signs of support for Ukraine at the moment, but again, um, the Ukrainians do have to be concerned about just uh, maintaining that um, with the change in control of the House uh, in the next few weeks. And as if the arrival of the Ukrainian president weren't enough, we have another major development coming out of Washington, something that uh, former President Trump has been fighting for literally years. His tax returns are about to be made public. Yes. So um, uh, soon after the Democrats won control of Congress back in 2019, the House Ways and Needs Committee uh, initiated the procedure to get the former president's tax returns. Uh, Trump um, has litigated that, um, nearly ran out the clock here, um, but ultimately uh, uh, lost. Um, the, the committee does have the returns. The committee voted yesterday on a party-line basis to release the returns. Uh, it'll probably still be um, a few days, maybe, before we actually um, see those released because they do have to redact some things, um, uh, some personal information, for instance, social security numbers, that sort of thing. Um, uh, however, uh, we do have from uh, Richard Neal, the chairman of the committee, the uh, report about the audit that took place of uh, the uh, President Trump's returns while he was while he was president, so from 2017 onwards, um, and there was pretty sharp criticism from uh, from uh, Congressman Neal about uh, how that uh, uh, how that transpired. According to the Chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, there was almost nothing done um, in terms of the audit of President Trump's returns during those years, uh, which is uh, contrary to standard policy, which is that the IRS does an audit of the president and the vice president. Um, according to Neil, that didn't really happen until uh, he made he sent a letter to, to the IRS in uh, 2019 uh, mm. and said that uh, he needed to see this information. Right. Um, uh, according to, to Neil, this, uh, what this shows is that there's, there's a need for a bill, proposing yeah. a bill that would require IRS to audit the president right. in 90 uh, days. Yeah, the uh, changes to the IRS expected to come out of uh, this fight that the president has been mounting for some time. Bruce Einhorn with us this morning for the latest from the nation's capital. Thanks for this, Bruce. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
And I'm Karen Moscow. And European stocks are rising this morning alongside U.S. stock index futures after the S&P 500 closed higher for the first time in four sessions. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 24 points. Dow futures up 253. That's up almost eight-tenths of a percent. And NASDAQ futures up 65 or six-tenths of a percent. The DAX in Germany is up eight-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury, little change. Yield 3.68 percent. Yield on the two-year, 4.22 percent. NYMEX crude oil up one and a quarter percent of 97 cents at $77.20 a barrel. COMEX gold little change at 18.24.30 an ounce. The euro 1.0622 against the dollar. British pound 1.2131. The yen 131.64. Bitcoin is little changed at about $16,800. And we're watching shares of Nike up almost 13 percent this morning. It posted another quarter of inventory buildup, but quarterly sales exceeded Wall Street estimates. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The House Ways and Means Committee voted to release former President Trump's tax information to the public. So far, we have learned that dozens of audit triggers litter Trump's tax returns. According to Congress's top nonpartisan tax lawyers, there are questionable private jet expenses and large unsubstantiated charitable deductions. Yet none of them have been seriously audited. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is making his way to Washington for a summit with President Joe Biden and to address Congress today. In the NBA, the Knicks beat the Warriors 132-94, the Wizards won. In the NHL, the Rangers and Devils lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 523 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Now let's get back to Elon Musk and Twitter. That saga isn't going away. But now after a rocky few weeks as CEO, looks like Musk is indeed going to do as promised and hand over the reins at the social network. But he won't be going too far. Let's bring in Alex Webb, who's been following the Twitter Musk saga very closely, our Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent, back with us this morning. And, uh, Alex, I love the headline on this uh, piece on the terminal from our colleague Kurt Wagner. Elon Musk is finally running out of gas at Twitter. What are your thoughts on how things have gone over the last seven weeks? Gosh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a month or two, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. The Look, he's stepping down as CEO. Is he leaving the company? No. Uh, he's going to be running the engineering and server teams. If you look at what's happened to Headcount at Twitter, they had 7,500 employees when he joined. That's dropped by about through firings and departures by about 5,000. What is left? Well, presumably, mostly, server and engineering teams. So he's in a situation where he's going to set down as CEO, but he's still going to be running a large chunk of the company. He's still going to be the uh, controlling shareholder, breathing down the neck of whoever is the actual CEO. Um, I suspect this is more about how the company is presented outwardly, not least its advertisers. Those are its customers. Those are the people that it's been losing. Um, as our colleagues reported last week, they put us in the room with some of the meetings that Elon Musk has had with advertisers. Those meetings don't always seem to have gone particularly well. Um, he needs somebody who is experienced at sitting in front of brands, in front of ad agencies and going, here's why it's worth advertising on our platform. You don't need to worry about these risks. Please give us your money. Um, I, th- I suspect that is the sort of person he's going to be looking to hire while he gets on behind the scenes to the extent that Elon Musk can ever be truly behind the scenes uh, at, at trying to fix um, some of the problems he sees with the company. Well, we've had a couple of names uh, bandied about in the reporting. Uh, walk us through a couple of uh, potential CEOs and whether those are the kind of people that uh, Elon Musk might have in mind to address some of those issues that you just outlined. So the you know the name that seemingly a lot of people would like is Sheryl Sandberg. You know, she built much of the advertising model at Google. She built the advertising model at Facebook, now Meta. Uh, would she be willing to work for Elon? Well, you know, she has worked for a founder CEO in the shape of Elon, uh, in the shape of Mark Zuckerberg, um, who mm. has, you know, clearly his own management style. There are other names in there as well, the likes of Jason, um, Jason Calacanis and David Sachs, who are perceived as being very close to Musk. They had come in to help run the company when he first took over. They, uh, you know, Jason Calacanis certainly has put his hand up in the air as saying he would like the job. Uh, you know, there are 
I think there are still plenty of people out there who would like to do it. Is there anybody who could do a better job than him who would like to do it? Well, that's a slightly different question, but I don't think he will be short of candidates. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be watching it. It's going to be probably quite some time uh, before a new CEO uh, finally gets settled in. Alex Webb, Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent. We'll be checking back with you, I'm sure, as we continue watching uh, all the developments over at Twitter. Right now, S&P futures are up 24 points. Dow futures up 252. NASDAQ futures up 64 points. And Tesla shares up 2.6% on the Musk news. We'll get your morning's top stories, local headlines, and a fuller check of markets. First, today's Bloomberg weather forecast. Some high cloudiness headed our way today and will end up being partly sunny with temperatures near 40 this afternoon. We'll cloud up overnight, lows 30 to 35. Large storm developing in the central part of the country will lead to rain developing across the tri-state area tomorrow afternoon. It'll be breezy 50 to 55. Rainy, windy near 50 tomorrow night. Rain ends Friday 55, much colder this weekend. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's coming up to 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Innovation Refunds. This is your daily reminder to apply for a payroll tax refund if your small or medium-sized business was impacted by COVID-19. Innovation Refunds clients already claimed over $2 billion in payroll tax refunds. Get started at GetRefunds.com. And we're nearly four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with a couple of major stories in politics. Up first, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is leaving Ukraine for the first time since Russia's invasion to address Congress in person in the nation's capital. Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick says it's a big moment in the debate over aid to the country. There have been some questions about really where House Republicans come down and the firmness of their support for Ukraine. To have a joint address to Congress, an in-person address especially, would be a very significant moment at a pivotal time because these kinds of agreements are going to be a bit more difficult when it's a Republican House and a Democratic Senate. Bloomberg's Jack Fitzpatrick reports that President Biden plans to announce $2 billion in assistance to Ukraine. In the meantime, Karen, a House committee has voted to officially release former President Donald Trump's tax information to the public. The actual returns will come out in a few days. Analysis so far shows the former president used questionable deductions and aggressive tax strategies to minimize his bills. And now to Elon Musk, Nathan. The head of Twitter says he will step down as CEO when a replacement is found. This comes as the FTC deepens its investigation into Twitter's use of user data. The extradition of Sam Bankman-Fried from the Bahamas is picking up steam, Karen. The FTX co-founder could be making his way stateside today. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. FBI agents are expected to escort Sam Bankman-Fried on a private flight back to the U.S. after he signs a waiver of extradition in court. SBF has been held at the notorious Fox Hill prison on the outskirts of Nassau since a judge denied his request for bail. The possibility of making bail here reportedly played a role in his decision to no longer contest extradition to face numerous charges related to the collapse of his crypto firm. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Well, taking a look at markets now, European stocks are advancing alongside U.S. stock index futures. Yesterday saw the S&P 500 close higher for the first time in four sessions. And this week's move from the Bank of Japan continues to reverberate. The yen is steadying against the dollar, trading at 131.68. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Mohamed Alarian has more on the BOJ's surprise decision. There's no doubt in my mind that this is the step towards normalization, but they're trying to make it a really long process, as unexciting as possible, so that it doesn't force selling by Japanese institutions. That's the big risk. Bloomberg opinion columnist Mohamed Alarian says the move provides some stability but does carry risk. And S&P futures right now are up 24 points. Dow futures up 257. NASDAQ futures higher by 64 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
At 531 on Wall Street, we bring in Michael Barr for a look at what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. New York City police are investigating an apparent accident that happened in the subway in Manhattan. The victims, a 44-year-old man and a 63-year-old woman, had been hit by an L train shortly, but the conductors of two subsequent trains did not notice the victims and also struck them on the tracks. This woman was at the 6th Avenue stop at the time. Like, I know us New Yorkers, we're tough. We don't care a lot about, but it's like sometimes, you know, it takes a little time just to, like, pay attention to something. Officials don't believe the victims were connected. A last-minute plea from New York City Mayor Eric Adams as holiday travelers continue to arrive, even as flu, RSV, and COVID cases continue to rise nationwide. Mayor Adams encouraged New Yorkers to remain vigilant of the risks of these respiratory infections now into winter. This year, particularly around the flu, from the from the briefing we receive, uh, the numbers are higher than this traditionally is around this year. And when you combine it with uh, the other elements that we're facing, the other RSVs, COVID-19, it just make it extremely challenging for New Yorkers. Mayor Adams encouraged New Yorkers to mask up. A large swath of the U.S. is bracing for a dangerous mix of cold, howling winds and blizzard conditions. It's already hammering the Northwest and is expected to disrupt plans for millions of holiday travelers. The Taliban has reneged on a promise they made when they took over Afghanistan in August of last year. Their Ministry of Higher Education now says women will no longer be allowed to attend public or private universities. State Department spokesperson Ned Price. The Taliban made promises to the people of Afghanistan and to the international community that schools would reopen. They claimed that this was a matter of procedures and arrangements and would be quickly reversed. Now, we hear the opposite. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 5.33 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. To think that the Mets under previous ownership were always considered to be cheap. Not anymore. Not with Steve Cohen. They're already looking at a payroll of about $360 million. They had shelled out money this offseason to keep free agents Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo. They added Justin Verlander and five others. And now... They're adding Carlos Correa. He's not going to the Giants, as was announced last week. A little unclear what happened. Yesterday's press conference in San Francisco was canceled, and Correa is coming to the Mets. 12 years, $315 million. He's close friends with Mets shortstop Francisco Lindor. The plan is to move Correa to third base. It's like what the Yankees did once with Alex Rodriguez. Matt Carpenter, who had some Yankee heroics this past season, signed with San Diego. 42-year-old billionaire Matt Eshiba has a deal to buy the Phoenix Suns and the WNBA Mercury for $4 billion. At the Garden, Knicks made it eight wins in a row, easily over Golden State, 132-94. to Emmanuel quickly off the bench for a team-high 22 points. Jalen Brunson scored 21, Quinton Grimes 19, R.J. Barrett 18, and another home game tonight against Toronto. The Rangers' seven-game win streak ended in Pittsburgh, 3-2. Chris Kreider, both the Ranger goals. Slumping Devils lost at Carolina, 4-1. Seton Hall lost. At Xavier, Mike White's ribs still injured, so it'll again be Zach Wilson, a quarterback for the Jets tomorrow at MetLife against Jacksonville. Big game Saturday, Philadelphia at Dallas, and the Eagles are not ruling out quarterback Jalen Hurts despite his injured shoulder. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. CompStack is expanding its presence in New York City with a new lease in Chelsea. The firm's been aggressively adding global office space over the past 12 months. CEO Michael Mandel tells Globestreet.com it's helped new team members onboard quickly while becoming fully embedded in the firm's culture. A New York State commission approved a plan this week phasing out fossil fuel-burning furnaces as soon as 2025. It requires energy-efficient electric heat pumps or other non-combustion heating systems in every new home built in 2025 or after. The plan's part of New York's program to address climate change. The Biden administration is planning to use infrastructure law money to make sure every American has access to high-speed Internet, including in New Jersey. The first $6 million of that commitment to the Garden State was announced this week in Trenton. New Jersey will eventually get $100 million. 
That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 536 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. This week, the House Committee investigating the January 6th riot referred former President Donald Trump for criminal prosecution. It was an unsurprising move, but lamentable nonetheless. There's no question that the committee, made up of seven Democrats and two Republicans, found evidence that Trump behaved abominably that day. By any standard, his actions were an affront to the Constitution and to the rule of law. Yet whether they merit criminal prosecution is another matter. The referral risks elevating Trump in the eyes of Republican voters at a moment when many seemed prepared to cast him aside. The House Committee has done an admirable job of documenting Trump's reprehensible conduct on January 6th. The faster the country can put those sordid events in the past, the better. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Another story we're watching, Kathy Wood had ramped up her purchases of Tesla shares in the fourth quarter, even as concerns over CEO Elon Musk's ability to manage businesses rise, uh, potentially signifying Wood's faith in the billionaire and in electric vehicles. Right now, Tesla shares are higher by 2.2% in pre-market trading. The stock has also been boosted by Musk confirming he will resign as CEO of Twitter once a replacement is found. S&P futures right now up 22 points. Dow futures up 238. NASDAQ futures higher by 53 points. Ten-year Treasury little changed. The yield, 3.68%. We'll get a fuller look at this market. What's the outlook for 2023? Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley, joins us next on Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European shares are rising alongside U.S. stock index futures after the S&P 500 closed higher for the first time in four sessions. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures up half percent or 20 points. NASDAQ futures up four-tenths of a percent or 48 points. And Dow futures up seven-tenths percent or 229 points. The DAX in Germany is up seven-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 3.68 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.23 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.1% of 82 cents at $77.04 a barrel. COMEX gold down two tenths percent or $2.80 at $18.22.60 an ounce. The euro 1.0617 against the dollar. British pound 1.2129 and the yen at 131.76. And Bitcoin little change at about $16,850. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The House Ways and Means Committee voted to release former President Trump's tax information to the public. So far, we have learned that dozens of audit triggers littered Trump's tax returns. According to Congress's top nonpartisan tax lawyers, there are questionable private jet expenses and large unsubstantiated charitable deductions. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will be in Washington and will meet with President Biden today. In the NBA, the Knicks beat the Warriors 132-94. The Wizards won. In the NHL, the Rangers and Devils lost. Big baseball news. Carlos Correa has reportedly agreed to sign with the Mets in a 12-year, $315 million deal. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Step right up and greet Carlos Correa. <laughs> okay, Michael, thanks. It's 542 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager along with Karen Moscow. Let's take a look at some of the other stories making news this morning. We're watching shares of FedEx. They're higher by more than 4% in early trading after earnings that beat estimates. Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has arrived with the details. 
Profit was lifted by price increases along with cost cuts. The combination helped to make up for a decline in package volume. FedEx also announced an additional $1 billion of projected savings in fiscal 2023, bringing total savings to about $3.7 billion. Back in September, FedEx pledged to cut cost in the face of sagging volume. That's when it pulled its annual forecast. FedEx said it's been making rapid progress on its ongoing transformation while navigating a weaker demand environment. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. Well, Nike also surprised to the upside. The company reported robust sales amid a sustained inventory pileup, and investors liked that. Nike is up almost 13% in early trading. Well, quite the gain this morning. We're also taking a look at streaming today. Google's YouTube is reportedly in advance talks with the NFL about an exclusive deal for the Sunday ticket subscription service. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. There are separate reports that say negotiations for Sunday football games came down to Amazon and YouTube. Now, Amazon, you probably already know, has got the Thursday night games. Now it looks like YouTube's about to snag Sundays, Karen. It's so interesting how things are changing, Nathan. Know, shifting you can't gears. even watch it on TV anymore. It's crazy. Uh, right? Yeah. Shifting gears to the economy this morning, we get some fresh data on the health of the consumer. The government issues a reading on consumer confidence for December at 10 a.m. Wall Street time. And we go to Bloomberg's Vinnie Dale Judice for a preview. Persistent inflation is forcing many Americans to rely on credit cards and draw down savings accounts to make ends meet. Rising interest rates are adding to the burden as the Federal Reserve fights the worst inflation in decades. The conference board's prior report covering November showed consumer confidence dropped to a four-month low. There's still one bright spot, the labor market, bolstered by a historic level of job openings. Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Let's get a fuller look at this market this morning. We're very pleased to say we're joined by Andrew Sheets this morning, Chief Cross Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley. Andrew, always great to speak with you, particularly on a morning where we're seeing uh, stocks pretty much around the world on the rise. Is there room for this relief rally to keep running? Hey, good morning. It's great to be here with you. So we're still skeptical about this rally into the early part of next year. We think you're still going to have a decelerating economy in both the U.S. and Europe. It's still going to be hard for central banks to message a major shift in policy, although we do think a shift in policy is coming. And we think earnings expectations remain too high in both the U.S. and Europe. So, you know, I think t- today's price action is welcome, but we still think uh, some, some challenges lie ahead as we'll shift the calendar into 2023. How much further do you think that earnings revisions could go from here? It seems like a lot of companies have uh, slashed their forecasts heading into 2023 already, but uh, there does seem to be a consensus that those earnings expectations need to come down more. Yeah, so I think this is a fascinating debate as we're going around and, and talking to investors about the year ahead. And I think kind of two things are true. I, I think there's a lot of skepticism around the bottom-up estimates for the S&P 500 for next year, which are about kind of $235 in earnings. I think most investors think that that's too high. And yet, you know, we're forecasting about 195 for the S&P 500, which at today's prices would put the market about 20 times earnings, which doesn't feel like 195 is the – is the consensus either. If that was really what the market expected, we would be expecting it to trade lower. So I, I think there's there's a spread there. The market is probably skeptical, uh, it's correct to say, of the bottom-up consensus, but we don't think it's skeptical enough yet. And I think that's still where some of the downside uh, in the early part of the year we think could come from, especially in the view of my colleague Mike Wilson, our U.S. equity strategist. Yeah, the uh, consensus seems to be building as well that there is going to be a recession next year. What's your view on that? Is it going to be a deep recession? Is it going to be mild? How's the U.S. going to compare to the rest of the world? Yeah, so Morgan Stanley's economists are not forecasting a recession for the U.S. We have growth slowing but but staying positive next year. But, you know, I think that also masks some important uh, nuance. There's still going to be a large deceleration in nominal GDP. U.S. nominal GDP is going to go from around 11% in the third quarter of this year down to kind of 2.5% by the end of next year. So, you know, we think that has negative implications for earnings. And then, you know, as we were just discussing, we think earnings do go into recession. Their earnings growth is negative. So, 
the economy does better than the earnings backdrop, uh, maybe that is a nice mirroring of uh, an environment we've just been in where the earnings backdrop has really outperformed the economy. What's the pivot point for central banks next year, do you think? that I mean, that's a big part of the debate as well, isn't it, about what the, what the Fed needs to see to, if not just slow down on interest rates, but to move toward getting them back down. Well, I think this is one of the most fascinating parts of the central bank discussion next year is that almost can central banks pivot, can the Fed stop raising rates without generating the type of euphoria, optimism that would undo the hard work it's been trying to do in tightening financial conditions, slowing the economy. It's a little bit of this catch-22 that almost kind of once you stop hiking, the market would view it as as easing. So, so that's a really big challenge. And, you know, we do think an important way to think about that is that the Fed could continue to talk relatively hawkishly even if it acts less hawkishly. So we expect the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates by 25 basis points on February 1st. We think that will be the last interest rate hike of the year. But in the March meeting and the meetings after that, we think the Fed would continue to communicate quite a bit of vigilance, but the underlying data will be slowing, the inflation data will be slowing, and that will give them reasons that will give them excuses to to not hike at those meetings, to say that they continue to remain patient, that they're taking in the data as it comes, and that data is just warranting taking a little bit more time before that next step. But it's it's a really hard message for any central bank to deliver, and I think it's important to keep in mind as we're hearing various central bank communication that when you know we think about the pause, when we think about the last hike, it's not going to be telegraphed. It's not going to be <laughs> balloons released from the ceiling. <laughs> Thanks, as always, Andrew. Great to get your thoughts. Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist at Morgan Stanley with us this morning. Right now, futures are pointing to a higher open. S&P futures are up 19 points. Dow futures up 224. NASDAQ futures are higher by 46 points. Uh, steadier action in the Treasury market this morning. Right now, the 10-year is down 132nd, yield 3.68%. The yield on the two-year is at 4.23%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures are higher this morning. S&P futures up about 20 points or half percent. Dow futures up 222 points or seven-tenths of a percent. And NASDAQ futures up 46 points or four-tenths of a percent. The DAX in Germany is up seven-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change. The yield 3.68 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.23 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up nine-tenths percent or 68 cents at $76.91 a barrel. COMEX gold down two-tenths percent or $2.70 at eight. 1822.70 an ounce. The euro 1.0617 against the dollar. British pound 1.2132 and the yen 131.81. And looking at Bitcoin this morning, it's lower, down about a tenth of a percent. It's at about $16,850. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. Thanks, Karen. It's 556 now on Wall Street. Time for your daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. Today, we look at the House January 6th committee recommending the Justice Department prosecute former President Donald Trump for four criminal offenses. During a year and a half of investigations, the committee interviewed more than 1,000 witnesses, gathered more than 1 million documents, and issued more than 100 subpoenas. And today, the committee is expected to release its full report. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks with former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig. You mentioned all the evidence that the committee has collected. Does it hurt prosecutors to have all that evidence out there with the public, potential witnesses, and as you mentioned, Trump's people going through it? Yes, and it cuts both ways. On the one hand, if you're DOJ, you're grateful. Wow, all this new evidence, almost certainly some that DOJ didn't already know, and we know that the committee got to certain key witnesses before DOJ, Cassidy Hutchinson being one example, Pat being another example, the texts from Mark Meadows, the committee got those before DOJ had them as far as we know. On the other hand, 
as a prosecutor, you never want other people interviewing and questioning your key witnesses. You never want there to be a massive body of previous statements that a witness can be attacked, questioned, cross-examined on. And that's what's really unusual here, because in any criminal case, the prosecution has to turn over and the defense lawyer has an obligation to scrutinize any prior statements of the witnesses. Well, here, there are reams and reams of volumes of that material that we're going to see fully when it all comes out in the next few days. And all of that is fair game for defense lawyers to pick apart. So this is part of the reason there's a cost to the fact that DOJ has been largely lagging behind Congress. Now there's going to be all this information out there, some of which may be used to undermine its case, which is outside of DOJ's control. So the committee said it had sufficient evidence to make its criminal referral, but the just Justice Department's standard to indict is way, way, way higher. Explain that. So DOJ's standard to indict, according to prosecutorial practice, is by the textbook, you can get an indictment based on probable cause, which means more likely than not, but no responsible prosecutor charges only based on probable cause. The guidance within DOJ is you need to be confident that you can prove your case beyond a reasonable doubt before you charge it. That doesn't mean you only charge 100% assured winners. There's no such thing as that. But you need to be satisfied that you have proof beyond a reasonable doubt. That is the highest standard in our legal system. And of course, it will be difficult, extraordinarily difficult, in my view, to get a jury unanimously to come back and find a not only a former president, but as you say, June, somebody who by the time this case ever gets to trial, if ever, it will be in the heat of a 2024 election, might even be the front runner, might even be the nominee. That is very, very difficult. And I think DOJ can be faulted for taking this long if they are going to indict. I don't think this needed to take two years. I don't think they needed to spend a year and a half focusing exclusively on the lowest level people to the exclusion of higher level people. That's former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal at Go. Right now, S&P futures are higher by 19 points. Dow futures up 227. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 44 points. Ten-year treasuries, little changed. The yield, 3.68%. Straight ahead, check on the business headlines. All the news you need to start your day. Hour two of Bloomberg Daybreak starts right now. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.